Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm Jen. This week, we're going to tell you a little bit about who we are and what to expect from the podcast. And then we're going to share our thoughts on the trailer and the promo material and things that we're doing to get excited and pumped up for the premiere on September 24th. Which is Sunday, right? Yes, this Sunday coming up for us when we're recording this. Okay. And for those of you who are looking to watch it, it's going to be in the States on CBS All Access. In Canada, it's on Crave TV streaming. And everywhere else in the world gets it on Netflix. Oh, everywhere else in the world. I was watching a trailer Mm -hmm. yesterday, Mm -hmm. and it was all Netflixy. And yes, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't think this was a Netflix show, but I see everywhere yes. else gets it all easy. Yes, the the licensing on this is like a whole story saga with layers of complexity, many layers, and I'm not going to get into it. If you're interested, or you want to send us a link on Twitter, you can add us at command of her own at Twitter, or yeah, however that works. <laughs> Let me try that again. We are, you can add us. Our Twitter is at command of her own. There we go. <laughs> like it's 2010 all over again. <laughs> so Kate, since you are kind of new to Star Trek, mm-hmm. why don't you start by telling us your Star Trek background and okay. history? So my first experience with Star Trek was watching Next Gen as a kid. Um, as far as it is in my memory, we would watch it every Sunday night. It would come on at 8 p.m. I don't know if I'm remembering those days and times correctly. I think we've even looked that up recently, and I still don't know if I'm remembering that day and time correctly. And I forgot to check. I checked some things with my sister, because my sister has an amazing memory for this. Mm-hmm. And I was checking some with her last night, and I completely forgot about that piece. So if my sister's listening, or anybody else remembers when Star Trek aired, again, you can get in touch with us. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's, and that's what we did every Sunday night. I don't, I don't really remember any of it, because I was young. Um, I, my sister, I guess we both have a sister, uh, was more into Star Trek. Anyways, my sister was more into it than I was, and we definitely, because of her, went to go see one of the next-gen movies mm-hmm. in theaters, mm-hmm. the one with the golden ribbon. Yes, that was Star Trek Generations. Right, yes. All I remember is a golden ribbon and uh, Whoopi. I remember Whoopi. Yes. And that's... That's that. Oh, and I've seen the the recent movies. Yes, all three of the recent movies. Except for the one that I mostly slept through, because I was watching that on a red-eye flight. I should rewatch the third one. Yes. So I've heard. Anyways, I can't speak to it. I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. That's your Star Trek history. That's me and Star Trek. Okay. So my Star Trek history is longer. Um, when I was a kid... I'm pretty sure Star Trek was just on sometimes in the background because my parents were watching. And I remember catching some episodes of the original series. And at one point, I'm guesstimating I was five years old. I walked in and I caught a bit of the original series episode called The Arena. And this is the one where Kirk battles the Gorn 
which is that very recognizable giant green alien that he battles. And this sparked my first ever and one of my only recurring nightmares as a child. Hmm. So for a long time, I was terrified of Star Trek and would never watch it. And uh, then years later, and I tried to confirm the timeline with my sister, and the best guess is when I was 10-ish, we were at a New Year's Eve party, and we were kind of there as some of the babysitters, and it was late at night, and a TV was on in the basement for the kids, and all the parents were upstairs partying, (laughs) (laughs) as one does. And... uh, an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation was on, only we had no clue that that's what it was at the time. And we watched the episode, and I checked with my sister, and she was pretty sure it was one of the first season episodes called Haven, because she remembered that it was a Deanna Troy episode. All that I remembered was that there was Captain Picard, and it was like an early uniform one. And um, we were hooked. So after that, we started watching the show, and found the story really compelling, and my dad really enjoyed it. So for a while, when the Star Trek conventions were in Vancouver, we would go to the conventions as well. And when Deep Space Nine came on, I was a little older, I was in high school, and completely fell in love with it. It was, and still is, my favorite Star Trek series. That's really funny to me, because I... Another thing that I recall about watching Next Gen as a kid was mm-hmm. that whenever I would see in the TV guide, oh, Star Trek was on, and I would switch to it, if it was Deep Space Nine, I'd be horribly disappointed. Oh, really? Uh, yep. I just, I never got into it, and I didn't like it at all. I was old enough to remember the lead up to it, so I remember there being, like, controversy, and it reminded me a lot of this intro for Discovery, because people were like, oh, it's Star Trek, but it's not on a ship. Will people like it? (laughs) And all these different things. And like, it was like, oh, it's Star Trek, but this is going to be different. Will people like it? And there were, and some super fans have never liked Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It's it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff with Discovery where it's like, oh, but they're not following a ship captain and, and oh, it's not going to be on an Enterprise. And I'm going, like, it just reminds me of all the hype leading up to Deep Space Nine. And I loved that show, so I'm hopeful that I will also love Star Trek Discovery. Cool. And the gaps in my Star Trek history. um, I have seen the first new Star Trek movie in the Kelvin timeline, but I did not watch the second or third one yet. And I have not yet watched the animated series, but it's on my list. And pieces of Voyager I've missed as well. Okay. Did you watch, what was that, the other most recent one? Enterprise? Yes. Did you watch that one? Yes, we did. Not as it aired. We bought it on DVD afterwards. Was it good? Was it good? That's a complicated question. Okay. Um, Some of the story arcs I really did not like. Uh, there were a lot of parts that were obviously incredibly male gaze focused, um, which you'll see in most of the Star Trek series. Um, mm-hmm. Like, obviously, in Voyager, there was Seven of Nine. And, I mean, you put a tall, blonde woman in basically a skin-tight suit. For right. what reason? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there was parts of 
Enterprise that were the same way. It was very focused on male gaze. There was the highlights of it were some of the character arcs uh, in between the characters. And towards the end, like I think the third season, I may be completely misremembering this, by the way. I'm terrible at remembering what happened in what season and what episode. Mm-hmm. But there were parts of the character arcs that I really liked and enjoyed and wished they would have gotten a chance to explore more of. And then just don't watch the finale. Just don't. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Okay. It's bad. <laughs> and and angers me. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. That, that it's okay. Me. It's okay. Well, it always sucks when shows that you like have crappy endings. Yes, and this one was really like it felt like they found out the show was going to end and they kind of slapped something together and I don't know, the ending of something for me is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way they did the ending on Enterprise really just kind of cheapened all the other work they had done up to that point. Okay. So That sucks. Yeah. I don't know why, but it, that reminds me, this is a complete tangent, mm-hmm. of um, the original movies for the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion, where literally the creator had been hearing for quite some time that nobody was happy with the ending of the TV show, so he made these movies as basically a giant fuck you to the fans, where it gave them everything they wanted, but not in the way they wanted it, and it was worse. Oh, yes. Um, Be careful of, you know, getting what you want. It's like people who, like, ship certain character romances. It's like, Okay, but, like, if that actually happened in the show, where would you go from there? Yeah. Right? So, Kate, you actually got in touch with me about doing a podcast. So, do you want to tell us why? I get, You had tweeted? Yeah, because I was pretty much going to do a podcast about it regardless. Um, I've wanted to do a podcast probably for about a decade podcasting has always interested me but I always wanted to have a host and it's hard to find a host when your schedule is crazy yes and um, sneak peek for our listeners we may not have the quickest schedule on dropping episodes because Kate and I both have crazy schedules mine is about to get a lot better oh well that's good And mine does have some regular windows of time in it. And um, so finally, after 10 years of being like, I want to podcast, I want to podcast, I heard Star Trek Discovery was coming out and I started to get super excited. And so I was like, it's time to throw my excuses out the window and just do a podcast on it. And then... And then I said I would do one with you because... Well, I love podcasting also. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I have podcasted before. I don't know if that's the right verb or whatever. Um, And I enjoyed a lot. And I thought it would be our our two different histories with Star Trek and our two different points of view coming into Discovery would be an interesting dynamic for a show. Because most podcasts out there are usually all super fans, which makes sense. But um, I thought, you know, with you kind of being the expert and me being like, 
oh, that's a Klingon? <laughs> would be interesting. <laughs> and I think it's interesting, too, because a lot of the loudest detractors from any of the new Star Treks are people who love their Star Trek. Like, they have a, a deep connection with the past of the show. And it can be very hard to move on from the nostalgia and see a franchise do something new and different. And mm -hmm. sometimes those fans completely drown out the new fans who are just discovering Star Trek for the first time. So I thought it would be good to have that other point of view where I'm going like, oh, they did what? Why would they do that? That totally goes against, you know, the tone set in like these past episodes where Kate might be like, that was so interesting and, you know, thought provoking for me. So I think having that would be good. Yeah. I also, just in insofar as the show itself is concerned, I like the look of it. I like that it looks modern with modern special effects. No offense to the original series. Um, and that sort of thing, but still feels like a Star Trek show, unlike the, the movies, which, you know, had all that money, but didn't really feel like Star Trek. Right. You're talking about the Kelvin movies, right? Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. The most recent movies, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like that right there. I mean, the look of it attracting a modern audience. And I think some of the other choices they're making about the types of stories they're going to write will also attract a modern audience much more than sticking with something and trying to redo what's been done already. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Star Trek, but I literally can't watch the original series episodes anymore because it grates against my modern progressive sensibilities so hard. Yeah. Um, and I love Next Generation, but some of the episodes are starting to creep into there. And even some Deep Space Nine ones, like uh, sometimes I'll watch an episode and be like, wow, you so couldn't do that today to a modern audience. You would get such instant criticism and, and backlash from the fans about like the representation of uh, different people or genders or... Which is weird, because at the time, I think most Star Treks were seen as kind of cutting edge, where that sort of thing was concerned. They absolutely were. Um, they totally were progressive, and they've pushed the envelope. And the problem is that now we're in that new space, right? Mm -hmm. So looking back at something, even like um, I'm listening to a podcast called Jed Bartlett is My President, where they're doing The West Wing. Mm -hmm. And at the time... The West Wing was fabulous, and yet they're depicting these very normal workplace scenarios that would have happened at the time, and now we're looking at it, and you're going, that is so sexist, but it's just normal for them. So that makes me sad, because The West Wing wasn't that long ago. The original Star Trek series came out before I was alive. I feel uh, like The original myself. series, yes, was before we were both alive. Yes, okay, good. I had a mind fart. Sorry. It's okay. Um, and, but no, I was very much alive and watched West Wing as it was coming out, so that sucks. I haven't rewatched it at all, though. I guess I never will now. Well, you can. It's There's some good things in it. Um, yeah. And you Maybe can just to leave things, you know, as good as they are in your memory. There is a, a valid point there, especially the further back the thing is. 
Yeah. It's like, do I really want to rewatch Shira, or can I just remember it fondly and leave it there? I don't know. I think if you go that. Okay, we're way off topic here, but <laughs> I know. But with Shira, I think there's something to be said with rewatching with a lot of alcohol and just enjoying the trash. Fair point. I could see doing that. Yeah. But I won't rewatch it with my kids. Let's say that. Okay, yeah, that's right. It's not that's one fair. of the children's shows that I will, like, I don't bring out and things show from with. that point of view. <laughs> True. And why would you, really? Yeah. Um, okay, back to Star Trek. With what we've seen from the trailer and everything, what about it has you excited about the new show? With the trailer? Or with anything coming up? Okay, well, the first time I watched the trailer, uh, the very beginning scene of it was very inspiring. And even that's where I took the the inspiration for the show is when Captain Georgiou is talking to Michael Burnham and they're walking across the desert together. And Captain says... It's time, I think it's time for a command of your own. Mm. And the trailer came out and I was on Twitter and a lot of my other woman friends were commenting very passionately about how, you know, it's a trailer for a new TV series and the first chunk of time is dedicated to two women talking to each other and how refreshing that is and exciting. And I thought, Mm -hmm. like for me as a feminist as well, um, like, yes, we need more women voices. Yes, we need more women representation. And yes, we need more women of color. And that was the other really exciting thing was this, it was two women of color talking. Yes. And, uh, you know, a woman speaking with her natural accented voice. And like, it's so nice to see that. And so that got me really excited because it made me think that this is going to be another progressive Star Trek. This is going to be a Star Trek commenting on the social issues of our time. This is going to be a Star Trek that is rewriting the way things should be done and could be done. So instead of Hollywood constantly saying, you know, this isn't what fans want. uh, It's saying, really? Like, let's show this and let's show them that this is what fans want. Mm -hmm. So that got me really really excited i was at, at the end of this discussion i was going to ask you if we thought this new show was going to be pushing the envelope like previous star treks have but you kind of just went over that yeah okay um so in regards to the trailer i suppose what made me really excited was i don't know, like i liked the intensity of it i liked that it looked like it was going to be exciting obviously i liked all the things that you just said also that was very mm-hmm. exciting. I'm just not going to go over all that again because you said it so well. Um, so I really liked the intensity and the feel of it. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of the memories that I have of Star Trek is kind of philosophical, which I think a lot of people do like, but that isn't how I personally prefer my television to be. Right. Not or not every episode at any rate. You know, I, I do like the occasional one. Yes. But mostly I'd like there to be plot and action and good character development and, you know, something pushing it along. Maybe with some philosophical episodes thrown in for, you know, when it, when, when mm. necessary. Um, so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. In regards 
to the the scene that you brought up the Mm -hmm. them walking in the desert Mm -hmm. i have a question okay can these people not teleport they can and they do at the end of the scene why are they walking through a desert then i don't know but i hope that there is a reason explained in the show other than Um, just we will walk through this desert for reasons yeah I'm not sure. I'm curious about what's going on. Maybe this is the captain testing her first officer. Uh, maybe they, you know, weren't in teleport range yet. Or actually, yes. it's called transport range. Oh, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. What was your... Mm-hmm. I was curious about what your take on the Klingons was. Um, well, if you'll recall from a previous conversation, you had to point out to me that those were the Klingons. Right, I'd forgotten that. (laughs) So, they, as far as I'm concerned, they changed the design so much, I didn't even recognize them. (laughs) Which might just be that I wasn't paying attention, to be fair. Because I have rewatched the trailer since then, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, they've got the forehead thing. Yeah. I know a few people who like the design, the new design of the Klingons. I'm not a huge fan. I I like that they're making them ever so slightly less humanoid. Because, I mean, if you're going to be doing aliens, you may as well not make them look human. But at the same time, I understand that you want them to look human enough that an audience can connect with them. You yes. know, like if they were just jellyfish, it would be difficult. Right. Yeah, it's difficult for humans to connect with non-humanoid species. And yeah, and I think part of it, like, I haven't read about this, but my hunch is it's part um, technology. Like, they can do much more now with with prosthetics and special mm-hmm. effects. So let's take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I know, is story-based a little bit. And then part of it as well, I think, is licensing issues. Oh. So for releasing designs and merchandise, I think there was some... uh, Some of the way that the license was done for this show forced there to be certain changes if the show wanted to eventually capitalize on these things. I should have known, because I thought to myself, oh, maybe better storytelling. And they're like, no, easier money. (laughs) <laughs> yep of course that's also apparently why they changed the uniforms again yeah I was going to ask about that like how do you because it seems from what we've seen anyways that all the uniforms are the same color okay so the basic uniform is the same color mm-hmm. and then uh, the metallic parts are different shades of metal so there's like a silver, oh. there's a gold or brass color. Um, it's subtlety I'm not going to be picking up on at all. Yes, and it was, Enterprise had similar blue jumpsuits, and then you kind of had to look at different features on the jumpsuit to see rank and things like that. Okay, I feel bad. I mean, very few people look good in a jumpsuit. Yes, and I did read one article I think it was the Jason Isaacs, uh, an interview he had done somewhere where he, he talks about that. And um, yeah, very form-fitting, but not too form-fitting 
form-fitting enough to make everyone feel self-conscious, probably. Yeah. And that's been a, an ongoing thing on Star Trek, because I can remember Next Generation, uh, the cast would be talking, because everybody basically had to wear, like, full-body Spanx kind of things underneath their um, Next Generation uniforms. I guess those were jumpsuits, too, weren't they? Yeah, early I... was jumpsuits, and yeah... Oh, I'd forgotten. Yeah, Star Trek uniforms have, you know, never been overly flattering to the physique. This is actually why I think um, if you look at Star Trek costumes and uh, a lot of Star Trek cosplay, uh, this the uniform that's from the original series movies, the red one, mm-hmm. is really popular. It's complex to make, and it's hot. But it's got that nice tunic over the top body. Mm. So it's not a jumpsuit. It's not skin tight. You can basically wear pants and then the tunic. And I'm like, yeah, that's a lot easier for fans to wear. Because not every fan wants to, you know, wear skin tight leggings. and. I wonder what costume designer to themselves is like, well, let's just put them in one of the world's most unflattering things. And make all of the actors self-conscious while they're trying to act. <laughs> I'm hoping that wasn't a conscious thought from the costume designers. And I mean, putting them in a jumpsuit must have been. Like, other designs would have been put for- Maybe it was the director's final decision. Who knows? But they've kind of been that way since the original series TV show. They've changed the entire design of the Klingons. I'm sure they could change from jumpsuits without, without you know, not being Star Trek anymore. They have to have some sex appeal. See, I don't find them attractive, though. The Discovery ones, or... Well, okay, the Discovery ones aren't bad. That, that's fair. They're not bad. I just mean, in general, I think there are more attractive decisions than a One Piece. That's true. And with the one pieces in a military situation, I was always like, how do they go to the bathroom? Yeah. Like, with the, especially the Deep Space Nine jumpsuits, where it looked like they had, like, an elastic band around the waist for a while, and just, like, a zipper all down the front. I was like, really? Anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Now, is there any particular cast members that you are particularly excited to see their performance? Um, okay, so please recall that I know nobody's names. That's this, okay, I've got a list here. Okay, so I do, well, I do really love Michelle Yeo, and I like seeing her in anything. So that's yes. fun. Uh, although I do have this fear that they're going to kill her off, um, oh. which I really don't want to happen. But I feel like eventually every mentor gets killed off, you know, so the mentee can take their rightful place in mm. every story ever, basically. Hmm. Um, so that's a fear. Hmm. Uh, I do. Lo- I do also enjoy Jason Isaacs, and I keep forgetting that it is Jason Isaacs, and then I'll see him and be like, "Who is that? I know him. I've seen him in something." Because it's so rare to see him with his real short hair, and... Yes. Um, like, everything that I can think of, he has had a wig. The only thing I really immediately think of was Harry Potter for Jason Isaacs. 
He was also um, in um, a Peter Pan movie where he played Mr. Darling slash Captain Hook. And so I think of him as looking like Captain Hook in that one. Um, and there was there was more. Yes. And I have to say, um, on our Twitter account, I've started following some of the cast members. And seriously, Jason Isaacs on Twitter is delightful. I have become a bigger fan since reading his tweets. And yeah, go follow him if you're on Twitter. He is funny. He is witty. He is down to earth. Um, Yes, highly recommend. And I've become more excited about seeing his portrayal after reading some of his interviews and seeing him, him interact about it because he watched Star Trek as a child. Looking over his um, IMDb here quickly, he must be like the biggest nerd ever because he's done some stuff here that I'm sure he didn't need to do unless he wanted to. Okay. Like some video game voices and that right. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Sonequa Martin-Green in anything? If the I main... knew who that was. That's the... The main character of Discovery. So she's been in The Walking Dead. Um, I don't watch zombies. I have not seen her in anything. But I know people were really excited when she was cast. She is... The character is half um, doohickey, right? Oh, God. (laughs) Half doohickey. (laughs) Every Star Trek fan ever is going to kill me. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, are you saying she's half Vulcan? That's the word. Okay. Or no. She's part no? Then what is that whole thing with this Vulcan dude? Uh, Sarek? Sure. Vulcan, Vulcan dude? Spock's father? Um, she was apparently raised by Sarek. Um, like her parents were killed or something. I'm not 100% certain because I'm, I'm trying to walk the fine line of reading enough about the show to be excited and not reading too much so that I can be excited when the show reveals it to me. But what I have read is that she was raised as a Vulcan, like she was raised on Vulcan by Sarek, which is why in the trailer there's all these flashbacks where Sarek's telling her that she'll never learn Vulcan because her tongue is too human. Okay, okay. And part of that really bothers me. Because I'd like to think that if Sarek, you know, were raising a human child, he would read a parenting book about how human children operate and logically would employ some different parenting tactics instead of just parenting like a Vulcan. But apparently Vulcan logic does not extend that far. (laughs) Um, Go figure. (laughs) Taking a quick look at her IMDb, I have not seen anything with her in it. Okay. And have you seen things with Rekha Sharma? She's done Battlestar Galactica. I've been meaning She's... to watch Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Kate. I know. I know. She's done... Again, the ending betrayed me on Battlestar Galactica. That's all I'm going to say. Um, she has also done... Well, she's on the 100, apparently, which I haven't seen, but I know a lot of people who love that show. She's been in Once Upon a Time. So she's been in all the Vancouver shows. 
she's also been in Agents of Shield. And um, I do sometimes think television shows that film here just rotate. <laughs> like we get this person this week, you get that person this week, and then everybody's <laughs> in everything because every TV show ever films here. Not this one, but <laughs> this one's filmed in Toronto, so yeah, close enough. Short, short plane ride. I'm actually really excited about that because it won't look like Vancouver. Vancouver. Yay! Not that there's much that's gonna be like taking place in a modern city this is true i it's all set <laughs> stages and stuff anyways yeah and all the planet stuff is gonna be um even that could be set stages yeah although i think the desert scene they filmed overseas somewhere I do seem to and it was that on location yeah yeah and it was a first because i think it was the first star trek tv series that had a location outside north america because all the other location shoots were very clearly, you know, the Hollywood Hills desert. Mm-hmm. So. Who were we just talking about? Rekha Sharma. Right. And then some of the other big names were Rain Wilson. That one sounds familiar. Um, oh, that's again. That's I Dwight. haven't. S- okay. Yeah. Yes, that's Dwight. There you go. I haven't seen him as Dwight. Uh, James Frain is going to be a guest it looks like in one episode and he plays Sarek. Oh, okay. And I've seen him in The Tudors and probably other things. So looking up um Rekha Sharma again just I'm sure I've seen her in things, but I wouldn't have known her like in Supernatural and Arrow and stuff. So like she's guest starred. Again, mm. almost everything that films here is she from here? I don't know. Yes, she is. Born in Vancouver. The few things I have seen her in, I have enjoyed her performance in. So that makes me feel positive about okay. it. I'm excited to see all these. I like that it's a cast of a lot of different uh, nationalities and races and everything. Yes. So that's that's really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see all these people. I'm now looking through everybody's IMDb's. Yeah, you're clicking through all yeah, the casts. That's why I'm like trailing off here. Are you going to do anything special to get into the Star Trek mood before the Sunday? Aside from, you know, work nonstop. Well, I don't have to work on Sunday. Oh, good. <laughs> that's nice. I'm going to have a cup of tea. <laughs> I don't know. Earl Grey? Hot? See, I don't like Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Kate. Well, Captain Janeway drank coffee, so you you can't do that. I don't like coffee either. You don't like coffee either, I know. I'll just have a cup of really dark, delicious tea. Okay. I'm still not sure when I'm going to be able to watch it this Sunday. It, it'll depend on how when it shows up on Crave. Right. Yeah. For me. I, I guess I'm so. Um... Well, and then it's going to be of, do I try and watch it with my husband? Will that even be possible? Or will children interfere so much that we have to watch it separately? So, And then, yeah, I don't think I'm really doing anything special either, except I'm going to be on Twitter 
So that's been our first show, or the first show of A Command of Her Own, and I've been your host, Caitlin, and this week I am recommending The Polygon Show, which is another podcast, um, which is a podcast that I've been like looking for for years, I feel, as it's just a bunch of women talking about video games in the same way that I talk about video games with my friends, and I highly recommend it. Okay, and uh, I guess it's my turn. So this is Jen, and I'm also going to recommend a podcast. The podcast I'm recommending is Women at Warp, and it's also a Star Trek podcast, in case you haven't guessed. Mm -hmm. It's a group of women, and they often have guests on, and they talk about different things within the Star Trek universe. Sometimes it's an episode, sometimes it's a theme that emerges. They recently had an episode on cosplay in Star Trek. They've done fan fiction in Star Trek. They have a book club. So there's something for everyone uh, who enjoys Star Trek, and they're just really fun to listen to and talk to, and they have great guests as well. So in case you didn't have enough Star Trek in your life, um, there's another podcast you can add to it. Cool. And if you have any questions or comments that you would like to share, you can contact us a few ways. We have an email. It's a command of her own at gmail.com if you are on twitter go follow us there we are at command of her own and i'd love to chat with our listeners over there and if you would like to subscribe to us on itunes and wherever podcasts are found that would be great we also appreciate your ratings and reviews as a new podcast it really helps people find us and uh that would be great if you would like to do that and thanks for listening yeah, thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Hopefully we'll get better at that.